Hey, thanks for joining the Escape With Me book club. Escape with me, Lizzie Sawyer. And me, Sam Reiner. Into our most recent read. Come with us as we evade reality and go into detail about a new book. We're going to be covering it from beginning to end, cover to cover, so remember, there will be spoilers. Today we're going to Uglyville, an unspecified city in future USA. Published in 2005, the book takes place 300 years after the disaster that almost destroyed the human race. And so, societies have decided the best way to take away the problems of the past is to make everyone look the same, making everyone pretty. Tally Youngblood is excited for her chance when an unexpected friendship with a girl named Shay leads her to being in contact with the people of the smoke. While at first hesitant towards their ideology that looking the same is actually bad, she learns of the conspiracy that turns her entire world upside down. It's not just your looks that change after the surgery, it's your brain too. So this is an interesting book background because we kind of mutually agreed on the book because we've both read this book before. Yes. This was something I read back in middle school. It was given to me by my mom and she was like, this would be a good book read. And I was like, okay. And I read it. That's a lot of my book backgrounds. I definitely got my reading from my mom. <laughs> I was in the middle school library because I also read this in middle school and I was just looking about the library and it caught my attention. And so I read this one and then I read pretties and special and I really liked them. And then I tried to read extras and I didn't like that one. I don't really remember why other than the fact I was like, this isn't Tally. Don't care. (laughs) That book is actually good and you should read it. But yeah, it's been a long time since I've read that book. The rating for this, so this is a young adult utopia. It's very tame. There's death of a parent. Yeah, but it's kind of glossed over a little bit. Yeah, it's very tame. There's definitely an old man with his neck broken. That happened. Yeah, so there's moments where it's like, mm. But if you can make it through a Marvel movie, honestly, it's about the same. For real. Judge a book by its cover. So there are two covers. Have you seen the new cover? I have. I actually took a picture of it. It's the one with the face with the blanket over it with the different colored nails with the scalpel, right? Yeah. I was thinking it'd be fun to talk about both of them because we both experienced the first book cover. We did. Where it's somebody's face and they're surrounded by tall grass. And to me, that really seemed interesting because it was like, oh, someone's hiding and clearly there's some place they shouldn't be. Yeah, there's some place they shouldn't be and they're an outsider. So they're clearly an outsider, which is actually a pretty good summation of the book because first she's an outsider when she's sneaking into Prettyville and then she's an outsider in the smoke and then once she becomes part of that, then she's an outsider again in civilization. And so I feel like that's a pretty good summation of her. And you know what? It's a running theme. She never really fits in anywhere throughout the course of all of the books. Nope. It's like, ha, you're 16. Guess what? Your life is going to suck for the rest of your life. Have fun. You know how your life was supposed to be awesome? Screw that. It's Yeah, well, now it sucks and it never gets better. It just gets worse from here. So what did you think of the first one? And then we'll talk about the second one. Oh, the first cover? It felt like one of those had been made into a movie and so a face was plastered on the cover type covers almost. I can see that. It was very on brand for the time period that the book came out. There are a lot of covers that were like that and I didn't necessarily like it but since I did audiobooks I didn't have to look at it very often so it didn't bother me. True. I didn't like it. That's fair. I don't know. I 
liked it. I liked her expression and how they kind of cut off the face. I actually recently went back and someone had, because it's folded weird so you can't see all of the face at once, even if you undo the binding, it's still a little distorted. Somebody had a picture of what the face actually looked like and I was like, this is weird. I don't want to see her full face. That's weird. But it did make me realize I'm pretty sure they use the same model for uglies and pretties, but I could be wrong. I think they use a completely different model for specials. Well, specials is its own. Yeah. Or, I mean, unless they dyed her hair black, because I'm pretty sure the girl has black hair in that one. But on the new one, it's like you said, it looks like they're getting ready for surgery of some sort. And every time I see it, it just reminds me of that Twilight Zone episode where they're just doing these bunch of surgeries on this person because, oh my gosh, you're so ugly. We need to save you. And then at the end, the big twist is that she's actually very pretty by our beauty standards, but to them, who look very different, she's ugly, and so it's this whole beauty is a construct and blah 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 blah, Twilight Zone deepness. But that's what I think of every time I see it. And a part of me wonders if the author was inspired by that Twilight Zone episode. Oh, did you see the new cover for Pretties? Yeah. I like that it's just legs. Because, I mean, when you think of pretty women, your brain just kind of goes, legs. I don't like the specials cover. Oh, with the with the spine? Yeah, I think that's really weird. I like it. I mean, I prefer the old cover because I like the face with the Nordic tattoos going on the face because it feels more unearthly the way that they have it angled. So it seems to fit better. Yeah. But I don't mind the new cover for that. I don't like the new cover for extras. I don't think I've seen that one. Let me look it up. Oh, extras is apparently a British sitcom. Fun fact. That's the first thing that came up. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it either. (laughs) It looks like so many other... Oh my gosh, apparently there was one, because I'm looking at one now, where it's uglies, and it's just a bunch of Barbie doll parts thrown into a dish-looking thing. I like it. Nice. That's really interesting. I don't think I would have read it as a teenager, because that seems a little weird. A little too far. Oh, this was an alternate cover for specials. Send this to you. Here you go. Bloop. Ta-da. Why? I don't... Why? I don't get it. And I actually kind of like this cover for specials. It's okay. It looks like a Barbie doll kind of thing. I don't know. It does, but pretties are basically described as Barbies. Yeah, but I don't know. It's an old cover. I'm not saying I like it better than the one that I read with, but... I like the face over the other face. There's something there. I like that. Yeah, it definitely looks like a Barbie doll. Yeah, it's an interesting time seeing new covers. So the concept of the book, it is a sci-fi utopia specifically. And so now all of that is considered speculative fiction where you take one thing and you say, what if, and then you write a book centered around that what if. And I'm kind of curious what his what if was. I mean, obviously he didn't sit down and actually go through the process of saying, hmm, what if, or maybe he did, but the story itself centers around a what if. And so to me, it's kind of a what if everyone looked the same or what if the government was like, hey, diversity bad, only pretty, because I feel like that had to have been his building block. We'll talk about what the disaster was, but I don't think that was his starting point, and I'll go more into that later, but it feels very tacked on. So I feel like the main concept of the book is what if everyone looked the same, and then it kind of built off from there of, well, why does everyone need to look the same, and all of that stuff. But I really like... Okay, so I'm lukewarm on Tally. She's fine, but... I don't know. Sometimes she does some stuff I don't agree with. She's a teenager and she reads like a teenager. Yeah, but I like Shay. But Tally, I don't know. Shay just, she's a bit 
much. I can respect someone who is unabashedly their self. She kind of gets screwed over by her friends, which sucks a lot continuously. But I like how Tally is used as a facet of this personal journey so the reader can understand first the society and how it is and then to deconstruct the society and be like, well, actually, it's bad. I think she's actually used very well. She isn't necessarily like this blank piece where it's like, oh, it's so obvious that this is what this is. So she has a good personality, like a good amount of personality to be the main character. She isn't bland. I feel like she actually has a personality that's separate than the personalities of other characters in the book. And then she goes along that little journey of Uglyville, and then she goes into Prettyville, and we kind of get a glimpse of that and what that's like. And I was actually surprised reading it this time around how long we spend in Uglyville. Because in my mind, the smoke took up most of the book. But she doesn't even get there until part two. And I think part three is where everything goes to heck. Yeah, I didn't write down the part one, part two, part three. But I'm pretty sure that's what that was. And so you actually spend only a third in Smoke, which is about as much time as you spend in Uglyville. And so that actually really surprised me this time around. I just, the Smoke stood out to me way more, I guess, than Uglyville did. I mean, understandably, its deviation from what is established as the norm is quite striking. And so sticks with you a little bit more. Plus, the most traumatic events in the book happen in the Smoke versus in Uglyville. And so, again, it sticks in your brain much, much easier. Yeah, but so much more happens in Uglyville than the smoke because she gets there. She's part of the little working crew. And so you see a day with that. David starts showing special attention to her. They go to David's parents' house and talk. And then the next day, the specials appear. There isn't much that happens in the smoke, but it's just so strikingly different. And kind of, especially for someone that was about YA at the time. That was really cool that a bunch of teenagers were starting their own society and doing their own thing away from adults for the most part. There are a couple adults, but most of it is teenagers doing their thing and surviving and being cool. It's like how kids shows have a bunch of kids doing all the stuff. Like this had a bunch of teenagers doing all the stuff. Yeah, it's Nickelodeon. So they can do whatever the crap they want. So that's really cool. That did make the smoke stand out to me compared to a lot of books I was reading at the time. But yeah, this time around, I thought Uglyville was more interesting than the smoke. I didn't even remember Tally had parents. Yeah. So when the parents actually showed up, I was like, oh, I don't remember you guys at all. The dynamic with that was very interesting. Yeah. And I think that's the difference now. Whereas uh, the first time I read it in middle school, I was like, oh yeah, that's just society, whatever. And then, oh, cool, camping and doing stuff and being awesome and craziness. Whereas this time around, I actually dissected it more. Okay, so you have kids and then until they're, what was it, 12? It was 12, yeah. They live at home and then at 12, they move into a dorm. And you almost never see them again except for like winters and summer breaks. Yeah, and then they just live there all the time and then at 16 you get the surgery and then you go to Prettyville and then you live in new Prettyville for a while and then at some point you get a second surgery and you become a middle pretty and then you move out into suburbia-ish kind of and then you have your own kids but then at some point 
point, you get a third surgery and you become an old pretty? Yeah, the multiple surgeries afterwards are to counteract the fact that even though you've been essentially reshaped into a plastic Barbie, your body is still going to want to age. And the fact that it can't because of all the plastic in your face. So to actively help your body age appropriately as it tries to shift. Yeah, it probably would not look good. Yes. The be little bubble brains. Yeah. And we kind of experienced that through David's parents because I think they were middle pretties when they escaped because they have real jobs. For whatever reason, the society has decided that new pretties are allowed to just exist from 16 to X age, unspecified age. That was weird. I actually didn't understand the caveat. What is the point of sending you to school if you're just going to party for like six years and destroy all of that? Are you expected by as a middle pretty? It's like, okay, you're going into a job. Remember all those things you learned 10 years ago? I don't think all of them go into a job. I think there's probably a good portion of them that just become parents or, I don't know, maybe your brain counteracts the lesions as you get older and so they have you restudy for things. Maybe there's a period of after schooling, like you get a couple of years of partying and then they have you go into schooling for whatever job society decides for you. We didn't get to see any of that, but maybe there's a choosing day like in City of Ember yeah. where you either have to pick your job or someone picks it for you. Yeah, I think it was briefly mentioned with his parents they were given the job of doctors and then of course they went through the surgery and they took away the little thingy so they could think comprehensively but they did mention there are other jobs that people don't get the I don't know what else to call it besides like a tumor or a cyst. No it's little cuts on your brain. The brain abnormality thingy. Lesions are cuts. Which once again the lesions the concept of that. They put two little slices in your brain. Yeah but that uh, the Sorry, that gets into I'm thinking too hard about this. Yes, you are. Because that would have worked. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's like I say watching through Doctor Who, like the episode where everybody in the world dies for like five to ten minutes and then the doctor brings them all back to life. And I'm sitting there like that wouldn't work because their brains would have already started to decay almost immediately. And so the entire world would have brain damage, which then at the same time explains so much about our society. <laughs> we clearly all died. There's also... It doesn't make sense to be like, yeah, we cut into your brain, but here's a really easy surgery to undo that. Brain surgery is kind of a big deal. Anyway. Well, I mean, you say brain surgery is kind of a big deal, but at the same time, they've developed surgery to the point where they can literally remove all of the skin, put new skin on, and reshape the bone structure without killing a person. Yeah, that's gross. So at this point, I think brain surgery is a breeze in comparison. Oh my gosh. I I hate to think about that. Which a part of me is like, that also doesn't make sense that there are doctors now. Like, I feel like if we're 300 plus years into the future, robots would have taken over that a lot more. Oh, you know what? I did think of a potential warning. If you don't like the thought of having all of your skin removed and then regrafted on. It does get weirdly graphic. Yeah, the medical stuff gets very graphic. It gets so weirdly graphic there, especially since a lot of it doesn't make 
makes sense. Because, for example, they're like, oh, they give you new skin. The chances of your body rejecting that, you're, you're putting a whole new organ on. It's not, oh, I'm just going to take off this plastic coating and put on a different plastic coating. No, your skin is an organ. Your body can reject that. Yeah, it's living, breathing. That's why whenever people do skin grafts or have to get skin grafts, it's skin from different parts of their own body so that their body doesn't reject the skin. Yeah, it's very complicated and it gets glossed over and it doesn't make sense. And like I said, even in the universe, it doesn't make sense because if you get given an entirely new skin organ with the purpose of it being perfect, and even if you have to get a middle surgery and an old surgery, it doesn't make sense how quickly David's parents de-evolved themselves so that they look like uglies. Well, their skin is still the new skin. Their explanation for that, which still doesn't make sense, but it's you get plastic inserts in your face, right, that are moldable to make it into the pretty face. And then what they did was essentially eat a pill so that the plastic dissolves and is reabsorbed into the skin so that the face goes back to normal. However, that would not work. You still would have had to remove bits of the face and ground on bones to put the plastic in to make the face the shape that you want it to be so it matches everybody else's face. So it wouldn't make sense for your face to go back to how it was before. You would be massively disfigured because bits of your face would be then missing, I would think. Especially cheekbones, you would be super gaunt right there. Yeah, there's no way that the cheekbones would even still be there. They could have just replaced that entire section of face with plastic. Yeah. You would have this weird gaunt hole in your face. Yeah, and so this is the part where I'm talking about my husband. He really likes utopia and dystopias. I don't know his opinions on this specific one. Where I don't and I think my main problem is he goes into it like, oh, this is an interesting concept. This is a nice thinking exercise. What would happen if this happens? It's workable. Well, it wouldn't happen like this. (laughs) Where I always go in I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Why is this happening? You guys are stupid. That's not how science works. That's not how science works. <laughs> I get so focused on these nitpicky things. That's okay. I was reading a book last night and not this book. I was reading a different book last night and someone mentioned a glass eye rolling across the floor and I was like, but glass eyes aren't spherical. And so I then had to Google the history of glass eyes and it turns out they did used to be spherical. So in that time period, yes, a glass eye would be able to roll across the floor, though nowadays they would not because they are no longer spheres. They're that half crescent thing that fits on the muscle that's left when you take an eye out so that the glass bit can actually move with your normal eye. Wait, does that mean Nancy Drew and the secret of the crystal skull lied to us? Yes, because by that point in time, they would not have been round anymore. Oh my goodness! They no longer would have been round, unless he didn't have the muscle in the back of his eye anymore. If the socket was so badly damaged that the muscle was no longer back there, there would have been no point into giving him a crescent that would fit on the muscle that would move it. So in theory, he could have had spherical eyes. I need to know now. But I went into this whole, like, I I have to look this up right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel about this. And just because studies about the brains are coming out all of the time. And so their understanding of things in 2005 is obviously different than things in 2021. But the places that they would need to change are more inside of the brain. I feel like they would need to adjust the hippocampus to change your personality. And then they would need like there's (laughs) it doesn't make sense. 
Ah! It's something that when you're in middle school, you completely grass over because you're like, yeah, that, yeah, sure. All right. And then when you're older and your brain's more developed, you're like, okay, now hold on. Wait, <laughs> whoa, that doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And even if we're being like, yeah, they just do lesions in the brain and then it's fine. Sure. A pill should not fix that. <laughs> no, a pill should not fix that. That's potentially using some sort of matter to fill in the lesions. And also the concept of how is she scientifically testing this? You know, that's what Tally's for. She said, you kid. No, I know, but there are stages you go through before you reach human testing. And what did she take? A month? I don't know. She's cutting lesions into rabbit brains (laughs) and testing it on them. In a month, she has developed this pill that will magically grow parts of your brain back and turn you back to quote unquote normal. I want to double check that I have the definition of lesions correct just because my brain's like but what if you're wrong Yeah, a region in an organ or tissue which has suffered damage through injury or disease, such as a wound, an ulcer, or a tumor. I was right. Okay, so it could potentially be some sort of growth. Yeah, so it's either a growth. It's either a cut or a growth. It's one of those two things. So, I mean, a pill would be more plausible with a growth, but it would make more sense for it to be a cut. Yeah, so it's even not clear. It all doesn't make sense. And yes, having a brain tumor can actually change your personality, but a lot of times it doesn't make you more compliant it makes people more angry and it's not a good change let's just say that a lot of people talk about people with brain cancer who their personality changed and then they become really spiteful or angry or rude or so i don't it would it's we're gonna stop talking about this it still doesn't work it still just doesn't work it, yeah it, uh, um. for now we'll live under the happy umbrella of they did so much research and trial and error into it and killed so many people trying to figure this out oh my gosh that they have it perfectly down to a science on if we put two lesions right here in this specific spot on the brain people become more compliant and like little bubble brains yeah just live under the happy umbrella of this is science fiction and nothing really makes sense. And magic upon magic, it now only takes a month for doctors to create a pill that will cure tumors. Yeah, in the woods with no equipment. No brain surgery is required. No brain surgery is required. We can fix you right here, right now. Hey, Shay, take this pill. You may or may not die. (laughs) I don't think I want to do that. (laughs) I am really glad they talked about consent on that and they were like, we can't force Shay to take this. Tally, stop trying to be like, it's okay if she dies. It's better than how she is now. Like, Tally! No, it's not! Stop being a crap friend! Chill out, man! Oh my gosh. I felt so bad for Shay. I think that's one of the reasons I like her so much, is I feel like I need to like her, because someone clearly needs to. This poor girl has been like, you know what? I was so scared. I lost all of my friends because I wasn't brave enough to make this journey, but now I'm gonna make this journey and I think I've fallen in love with the love of my life and he seems to care about me and oh my gosh, my best friend's back and now everything is trash and I get turned into a pretty. (laughs) Yeah, Shay just has, it's just horrible. But I think with the love angle for both of them could be considered mostly because they're both teens. Even if they weren't teens, they could still be plausible. David is that dark, mysterious,
mysterious figure that comes out of nowhere that is an anomaly that women just tend to have that, oh, he's different kind of feeling towards, you know, and it obviously can self-sustain himself and could potentially, you know, due to evolution and the want for having a significant other that can care for oneself and the family. I'm actually not mad at Tally about the love triangle. She did try to respect Shay and I'd also think she's a teenager and does stupid things. I'm actually mad at David about that because... You don't go from holding hands with Shay one day to giving gifts to Tally and taking her on secret cave exploring things and being like, you're different. Yeah. You're not like other girls, like the girl I was holding hands for yesterday. Yeah, she's different, but you should probably break it off with the girl that you're currently leading on. And then he's like, oh, me and Shay were never a thing. And even then, give it a month, man. He was like, Shay and I weren't serious. I only led her on. I know of her feelings and I never said, hey, I'm not into you as much as you're into me. I still think if David had been like, hey, Shay, I'm not interested in you. To be fair, though, he is also a teenager. No, I'm mad at him. And I am still holding him out on that. I am mad about that. He should have just been like, Shay, no. Hey, sweetheart, maybe get your head out of your pants for like one second and think about somebody else's feelings. Oh my gosh. And then, of course, we hit Tally's not like other girls. And I just internally cringe because we have gotten past that part. And now we've hit that trope of you're not like other girls. Oh my gosh. But she really is. Tally's not that special. I don't know. I think any other girl, if they were forced into going to the woods to find a camp because she's met the specials she did not do this by choice (laughs) all of the things where he's like oh you take this seriously you believe in the specials i'm like if shay had met the specials she would believe in them too it's like tally you actually take this seriously (laughs) (laughs) yes but also no (laughs) you understand what we're doing no she doesn't i promise you no circumstances yeah and there's also the part where i got kind of pissed off where this is much later David and Tally are traveling back to the ruins and they're in the middle of a hurricane and they get in an argument and David's like you know what I'm gonna do? Stand in the rain Stand in a hurricane for two hours cause I'm mad at you One hour. He was only out there for an hour I literally just read that it was only an hour. Still ridiculous but only an hour. (laughs) It was so dumb and it doesn't talk about what the argument was. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. Okay. She's like, I can't for the life of me. I can't remember. But the argument was out. All I know is he went out there and stood in the hurricane for an hour. And you know what? I will remember that for the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah, I could totally see a teenager doing. But from a literary perspective, what did that bring to the book? Nothing. David sounds like a control freak. They're bonding. Like, I'm going to punish you by standing in the rain for an hour because you disagreed with me. How dare you? See, I don't think that's what that was. If you are in a tent, right? You're in a tent. You're in a confined space. You have a full-blown nasty argument. You have to get away for a bit. You're like, I cannot stand to look at you. And the only place I can go right now is out in this storm. I think that was dumb. In a hurricane, though. I'm not saying it was smart. I'm just saying sometimes, especially when you're a teenager, having a very strong emotion, you got to separate yourself from the thing giving you the emotion, even if that means standing in a hurricane. Maybe not for an hour. Yeah, why did it? 
it need to be? They had an argument that they don't even talk about because so it could be, have been the dumbest thing ever, which is what my mind immediately thinks. It's like super dumb. And since she's like, actually, I don't mind that I had a childhood in Uglyville or something. And he was like, how dare? I don't know what the argument was. They never even say what it is. So it's obviously dumb. And then what was the point of it happening during the hurricane? And why did he have to stand out there for an hour before he could cool down enough to just come back inside the tent and not be in moral danger? Because hormones. That scene to me downplays David's character. It does. It's not great. I actually don't like David that much. I do like him as a person, but then I see him interacting with Tally and Shay, and I'm like, I actually don't like you now because I knew teenage boys like this, and I didn't like them then. I don't like you now. Teenagers shouldn't be allowed to date or something. I don't know. They're all terrible people. I guess you have to learn somehow, but... Because you can stop teenagers from dating. It's all a mistake. Middle school and high school is a mistake. You'll never be able to convince a teenager that dating is a bad idea. A mistake. That whole age range is just... It is. But, you know, mistakes are how we learn. That's why everybody's like, you know, middle school and high school sucked. I'm glad I never have to go back there. I'm glad I'm not the person I was then. Because you know what? That's when we learned what being a person was. It's one of those things. There are YA books that I can read and I'm fine with. And then there are some YA books that cover the bad stuff of teenagers. And all I can think is, I've done this once. Why am I doing this again? (laughs) I don't want to read this. Too real. Too real. Go back into the dark pit of where you originated from. I'm done. I've made it out of this. And then of course there's always the defenders where it's like but it's realistic. I'm like yeah it was annoying then too. But it is. That's why I don't want to read it. Escapism. I mean and that is something with the genre is obviously teenagers. That's why I don't read dystopian novels because I'm like I'm here for escapism. I didn't come here to be forced into a society that is awful and horrible and just not great. (laughs) I came here to get away from my current society that is awful and horrible and not great. Yeah, but it comes down to, could I actually see this happening? And not in the medical science pseudoscience we were talking about. I'm talking about, could I see something happening and the governments of the world combining and deciding, you know what we need to do? We need to subdue the people and change their personalities and then go, well, how can we convince people to go under the knife and then not tell them that we're doing this thing? Because no one's just going to sign up for brain surgery that they don't know what's going to happen. And they're like, well, what if we get so good at plastic surgery, we can just make everyone pretty and then we're going to brainwash everyone from childhood to believe they're ugly and that all the problems of the world is because people look different and so we're just gonna make everyone look the same honestly the brainwashing wouldn't be that hard we as a society already brainwash our younger society that they're ugly that's already something that happens so it just be taking that to the next step it is but that's also could be considered like an industry there are industries centered around that of course but this is like in schools like you are ugly yeah i know that's what i'm saying so i mean like it would be taking that next step into brainwashing the society i mean most of the brainwashing that already happens in society happens in school. That's already legitimately a thing. Yeah. So I get that train of thought where it's like, okay, so this is potentially how it happened. But where I pause is how did they decide what is pretty? Even now in our culture today, people have a very diverse view of what pretty is. And I mean, you could say it's, oh, it's blonde white girls that are size two and whatever. But then it could be like, oh, it's black women with 
big hips and a big chest. There's a bunch of things it could be. And so I think it would be really hard to be like, hey, everyone, this is what pretty is. And he broaches the subject a little bit in this book where they talk about how David's mom ended up on the council of pretties, the pretty committee. Yeah, which I also loved the name of that. I'm on the pretty committee. And how all of the different cities get together and evaluate what the baseline standard should be and what is an acceptable deviant from the standard. And just from the way that they talk about pretties, it sounds like that height, weight, body structure, and then eye size and things like that all need to be about the same. And then everything off of that can be an acceptable deviant, you know, like skin color, hair color, hairstyle, eye colors to some extent. But how they came to what was an acceptable body size, what's an acceptable... I get where they came out with the size of the eyes, having eyes that are bigger and more vulnerable is something that people naturally go towards as a, I must protect you, which is probably why they did that. That's why people like small animals. Their eyes are bigger. Their heads are bigger. They've got big eyes, babies, big heads, big eyes. I must protect you and take care of you and love you forever. So, I mean, I can see that arc, but body size and unless they're going from like a, well, what's a healthy body standard for this particular height? bracket, that needs to be our standard body weight, if that makes sense. So, I mean, you can kind of piece together, okay, I could potentially see how this and this and this and this would interconnect as a what would be seen as healthy and what would be seen as... And maybe it varies from country to country. This country would have like a thinner and countries like Italy that value a heftier body weight would be like, okay, well, we want our pretties to be a bit bigger, just depending on the different cultures of the different areas. Yeah, and it's one of those things like you definitely have to swallow Western society's versions of beauty because it's written for USA people. So I understand why they were like Western society of beauty. But if I was going to take it and actually apply it to the world and be like Japan's version of beauty versus the US versions of beauty versus France's versions of beauty. It would have to deviate from country to country if it were ever going to work. And honestly, I don't think you could get the entire world to work together straight up. That's not feasible. Yeah. And that's the other thing that defeats the purpose purpose of everyone looking the same if every country has people looking different. I would think that there'd have to be like, in theory, a couple of little staples that are like, yeah, okay, so these are the pretty staples. But just because it's different across the world, what the standard thought of pretty would be, I don't think you could come to a consensus on what is pretty. Yeah, no. And so that kind of where it falls apart is when you look at world politics with it. I mean, even if you are brainwashing everybody to think that this is, oh, it's great, it's happy, it's whatever. The people that don't have the lesions on their brains are still going to be in disagreement on what the standard pretty should be. Yeah, and there's cultural significance and there's a bunch of things that it would not work to be like, hey, everyone, this is what this looks like. Because some cultures like tall people, some cultures like short people. It's just different everywhere. And so I don't think that would ever happen. Yeah. And then there's also the fact that for every culture, there's a counterculture. And so the concept of, hey, you can be pretty just get this surgery might work for I'll even say a majority of the population but then there's always going to be those who are counterculture yeah for example if we take music every decade's version of pop has a rebellion and it's jazz or rock or punk metal rap and of course those get assimilated into the culture at large at some point but then there becomes another rebellion type of music and I think that's true for beauty standards as well yes like 
like once upon a time having a big butt was seen as like the worst thing you could have and now now it's all the rage yeah it's like man i don't want you if you don't got a big butt and there's things like i even remember in 2000s I have naturally curly hair. And in the 2000s, the thing was to have the straightest hair. So it was the thing. And then starting in 2010, still having straight hair, but you couldn't have flat straight hair. You needed to have volumized straight hair. So I remember infomercials for things like the bump, where you would put that in your hair. I remember the bump. <laughs> yeah, and then that gives you a bump. And they're like, haha, we're no longer 2000s straight hair that's flat and boring. <laughs> and then you go back earlier than that perms like perms used to be all of the rage oh perms and if i lived in the 80s i would have the best life but i didn't and then you see how it swung the other way and it was like well straight hair is more important and now we're kind of swinging back and you see a lot of people with fake curls and it'll be straight for a portion and then it'll be these really big loops and so that's kind of curly hair coming back in a way so it's constantly changing very rapidly and how would you have a control over that and i mean yes there is the brainwashing stuff but even then it makes me kind of wonder if the first round of pretties wasn't by choice what if the government was just like nah we're doing this now you have no choice here we go we're gonna do this thing yeah that would just lead to some form of rebellion or something i can't see it happening and then to <sighs> The problem they were trying to solve, which I hated. This is my least favorite part of the book. So the disaster, you would think it'd be like, oh, uranium bombs because they had disagreements. This entire book, you think it's, oh, war. No, some moron was like, let me mess around with biology a little bit and created a bacteria, essentially, that would eat petroleum. And make things explode. So I just, it makes even less sense for it to be like, hey, we have a bacteria that eats petroleum and everything's exploding and stuff. Oh no, what are we going to do? You know what we need? We need to make people pretty. <laughs> make everybody pretty. <laughs> Let's make people pretty. That's the answer. We have petroleum eating bacteria. We need to make people pretty. We need to make people pretty. <laughs> and it's the biggest reach. World conflict? Nah, make people pretty. Because <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. And they're like, oh, we need to give everyone legions so they won't free think or whatever. Because they make sure the scientists don't have the lesions. So someone could easily still now make a bacteria that harms society. This doesn't solve anything. And then there was the whole chemistry behind, oh, it eats petroleum. So when it touches air, it, it explodes. <laughs> we need to make people pretty. That's the solution. Just We got, we got to make them pretty. <laughs> you know what we need to do? Give people tumors. Giving people tumors will solve everything. It'll, it'll solve everything. <laughs> I just... This is the solution. Make them pretty. Uh, I honestly would have gone with nuclear war. If it was me, I'd have been like, ah, yes, nuclear war. It would have made so much more sense. Where we're like thousands of years in the future, we found a way to get rid of the nuclear fallout. You know, it's all good there now. But to prevent this from ever happening again, we've made everybody pretty. Yeah, and so no one can disagree and have problems. But no, but we had a bacteria and 
and it ate petroleum and then exploded. So, you know, gotta make everybody pretty. I hated that moment. To prevent that from ever happening again, we're gonna make everybody pretty. It's my least favorite part of the book. And of course, is David giving the explanation? Of course it is. And so that part of me also kind of a shoot the messenger kind of feel where it's like, David, you're stupid. Are you sure, David? Are you sure that's what happened? <laughs> really? That's dumb. And he's just like telling Tally and Tally's like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, you're both stupid. Oh, does that make so much sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm like totally in love with you. And yep, yeah, I'm going to take whatever you say as word of law. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh... Granted, they are a society that doesn't use petroleum, but making everyone pretty did not get them there. They still needed scientists and people and it just, uh. <laughs> We found the solution, everybody. We made you pretty. <laughs> and I'm assuming world leaders don't have the lesions either. And it's not like the common people who are like, you know what sounds good today? <laughs> Nuclear war. That's world leader type decisions. We have not solved any of the problems. Yeah, I mean, it specifically says that politicians don't have the lesions. I mean, if it said that politicians did have the lesions, I'd be like, okay, yeah. So the people running it are the scientists. Scientists have taken over the world and they're like, this is how we're going to do <laughs> now. But no, we still have politicians that are still brain functioning. Why well, also ask the questions of how do they pick politicians. You can't vote for them. None of the pretties are gonna vote. So like, I don't care, just pick somebody. You can't tell them the issues. <laughs> Ugh, nah, nah, nah. And you're expecting me to believe that people without the lesions are just cool with whoever getting picked? No. So is there secret elections where only the people without lesions are... But, mm, mm. This is why I don't like dystopias. It's like, cool. That didn't make any sense at all. I'm so lost. I totally agree with James, though. It is a fun brain exercise of picking it apart and being like, well, that wouldn't work. Well, that wouldn't really work either. Yeah. If we didn't go into it and we were just like, this is how society is. And we didn't learn about the petroleum eating bacteria or any of the gross details of the surgery or how it worked. And if they were just like, yeah, they give you lesions and then they take them out. I could totally be for this and just go along with the story. But they always add too many details. <laughs> you added too many details and now it no longer makes sense. Like City of Ember, your world does not need to be massively fleshed out for it to be a creepy dystopian society and work. It's fine, guys. Like, I know it's science fiction, but don't make fake science. That make it try to make sense. This isn't an alien society or anything. If you're going to make fake science, you have to do what the Flat Earthers have done and throw all of science out the window and start from square one. Yeah, if we turn this into a brain exercise. I like the concept. Like I said, this reminds me of that Twilight Zone episode where it makes you think, what is beauty? Why do we believe what it is what it is? What is society's portion of making us believe in beauty or ugliness and how it's kind of just a construct that we have created to separate people further from each other and blah, 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 blah. And there is some psychology in it, but it's also some society has told us this is what this is. So there is some really interesting conversations to be said about a society that tries to make all of its people pretty in order to supposedly keep down discourse but also to make their brains pretty. I like that concept, but 
Yeah, he gives details, and then I have too many questions, and I'm not taking this just as it is. And like I said, there are just certain things where I'm like, why did you do that? Like, the hurricane scene, and then the petroleum bacterium. It's not great. But then there are the really good things, like the turnover that Shay is a pretty now, and the difference between her personality before and after, so you could really hit home, hey, this changes your personality. And then the specials, I love the specials. Dr. Cable. They're vampires. Canon, they're vampires. As soon as they were first described, I was like, oh, are they creepy and ethereal, but also very pretty? They're vampires. I love Dr. Cable. I think she's a great antagonist. She's a good villain. I love how in control she feels for most of the book. And then at the end with the whole rebellion, it feels like an extra ha suck it from Tally and them when they're actually able to outsmart them and save people. The specials are cool. I think the specials are the best part of the book. They're just scary. And then prey upon, especially in 2005, I totally understand the psyche of the government is in control and always watching us and we have to be careful or they're going to do something terrible to us. We still have a lot of people today who are like, ah, the government is just doing that so they can control us and yada, yada, yada. And a part of that is true. Some people go a little far, but I mean, it is true. You can't get the vaccine because they'll put the chip in your arm and then the government will have you. And I'm like, you've been on alive in this country for so long. The government already has you, man. You're already got. <laughs> so I totally get the psyche of it. And I think that that's why the specials work so well is because it does tap into this big brother-esque thing. Government's gonna get you. And they're in control. Like with the necklace, that was a great example. She thought she had destroyed it, but actually the government was like, in case it got destroyed, we still got this. They still one-upped them, even though Tally was trying to fight against them. I think that's one of the reasons specials is my favorite book in all three of them, because you get to learn about the specials. <laughs> like, I don't care about the pretties as much and then stupid love triangle spots up and I hate it. David comes back. Well, I mean, he has to. It's a big plot point. Yeah, but the weird thing okay, it's been a while since I've read these. I liked David in the first book and then I read Pretties and then when David showed up again, for some reason I didn't like either how he showed up or when he showed up or something or the fact that it was immediately like oh, romance again. Something about David's return in the Pretties makes made me not like him so we're going to experience that, I'm sure. And I'm going to go back and be like, okay, now that I'm an adult, I can actually put words to these feelings. But there's a reason that this was like this. And I don't remember what it was, but I just remembered not liking it. I don't remember David's return in that book. All I remember is Tally being stupid and giving one pill to the boyfriend that she kind of makes and his brain almost rotting because that's not how those pills are supposed to work, if I'm remembering correctly. I'm pretty sure in other she only had one pill. Or was it a series of pills? Honestly, I just read it. I don't remember. I thought it was one pill. I don't think it was. Maybe it was two. Because I vaguely remember after Shay says that she doesn't want to take it and the mom pulls Tally off to the side, Tally's like, so we're going to make her take them. Maybe it is two. I vaguely remember her saying them. I don't know. I can't remember at this point, but I mean, that would be a massive plot hole. We've reached the point of people remember 10% of what you say and 100% of what you feel. I think Pretties is my least favorite of the three, mainly because Tally it does become stupid. Well, I mean, it's because she's pretty, and so her personality is wishy-washy. Yeah, and Tally was 
I mean, she wasn't unlike other girls. Plenty of other girls can make decisions. But at least Hallie had a personality and vivacity and tenacity. And and then she becomes pretty. And then she becomes pretty. And you're like, this sucks. I hate this. You are a... Uh, Dummy. Fun, I guess. Fun. I don't know. Yeah, you saw it coming with Shay, but that doesn't mean I wanted to read it with Tally. I like the ending of the book. I like the setup. I get it. Self-sacrifice. Yeah. I actually do kind of like that, where Tally's like, okay, we need a person. I'll be that person. That still speaks to her personality. I've messed up so much. I volunteer as tribute. I think that's still her personality of, you know, it has to be done. Let's do this. You spend an entire book selling me on Tally, and then it's not Tally. And then the book after that she's a special and so she has a completely different personality but at least i liked that personality better than a pretty yeah pretties aren't great tell your life sucks i'm so sorry and now i have to read about it until you get saved and like i said you would think david coming back and then being hey tally here are the pills let, let me save you would be good but i remember i didn't like david in the second book i wonder if it's because you end up liking the new boy so much that when david comes back you're like oh yeah this guy gotta show up to ruin everything again. Way to mess up this fun romantic relationship that has developed. Maybe that is it. Like, I feel like David just screws up everyone's relationships when he shows up. Oh, great. It's you. (laughs) I'm gonna read the second book and be like, why the crap did I feel like that? I'm sure, but we'll see. I do remember that being my least favorite of the I call it a trilogy because Extras is a companion novel, not a sequel. Tally's still in it, though. She is. I mean, it's like when you read through the Howl's Moving Castle books that Diana Wynne-Jones wrote in the Howl's Moving Castle universe, because the first one's about Howl and Sophie, and I think the second one's about an Arab kid in the same world, and Howl and Sophie are in it, but it is not about them. Yeah. I think I made it to the point where the main character either was involved with her or met her or something. They go train hopping. That book ended up not keeping my attention for whatever reason and then I returned it and I didn't check it out again so that's where that left and of course he has recently released that new trilogy taking place in the same world so that's kind of cool that's fun it's always good to see someone's been busy good for you and of course we still have those rumors of an uglies movie coming out we've had those rumors since 2010 so I will believe it when I see it because they're like yeah it's coming out on Netflix now but they've been trying for so long. Is it though? Yeah, I can't get excited for it. And at this point, I'm like, should you though? Is that what we really want? Do we really need this now in 2021? No. This came out in 2005 and Extras came out in 2007. So they were published really close together. And a lot of things feels very mid-2000s. And so I'm worried either it's a faithful adaptation and it's going to feel outdated or they're going to try to update it, which would make more sense. Oh, Oh, you know they're gonna try and update it. There's no question about that. And then it's not a faithful adaptation. And you're like, why did you have to do uglies? Why couldn't you have made your own world? Makes even less sense, because this is definitely not studios clamoring over themselves to get the name. This has been the works for a long time. Which either means it's gonna be very good or very bad. They've had this long to think about it. I am actually more worried, because I feel like a bunch of ideas are just gonna get thrown together. It's like when you have a movie has several directors over the period, you know it's gonna be a train wreck yeah i still wanna watch it though hopefully it will come out on netflix so i don't have to buy a ticket gotta watch this train wreck i don't want to pay for this 
general thoughts. Yeah, so I think it just goes back to what I said. I think it's good if you don't think too hard about it. I think it's great for its intended audience. YA and even a little younger in middle school, because that's where I picked it up and I know a lot of other people picked up in middle school, but it's great for that age group. I think this is Diet 1984, so... I wasn't excited about reading through this book again. Now that I read through it, eh. Yeah, it's not the best, but it's not the worst. You don't like dystopias. <laughs> I don't like dystopias. This is probably on the tamer end of dystopias, and I read a lot of dystopias in middle school. It is not my cup of tea. Yeah. I think City of Ember is better than this one. Yes. I completely agree with that sentiment. But I haven't really read, this is where I point out, I haven't read Hunger Games or Divergent. I've read Maze Runner. <laughs> I've read all the way through Maze Runner. Don't read all the way through Maze Runner. I watched the second movie of Maze Runner. <laughs> you didn't watch the first one? No. Because my friend was like, I want to go see this movie. We're going to see this movie. And I'm like, okay. And then I watched it and I was like, this is stupid. Yes. But I do think while it probably isn't as good as those books, and that's why I didn't re- receive this cult following that the others did and immediate movies whereas this one's still waiting on it i don't think it's necessarily out of place for that genre either like i said i consider it diet 1984 if you like diet drinks it's great if you don't like diet drinks no so one question for the author of the thousands we've levied why did you feel the need to make new science that isn't really new science that doesn't really work did you not reread the book for continuity that's kind of mine because mine still goes to why patrol eating bacteria. Why petroleum eating bacteria? It makes no sense. And then the context of that being the catalyst that caused everyone to be pretty, but scientists still don't have the lesions, so it doesn't make sense. The everyday Joe was not making this bacteria. It was scientists who were funded probably by the government or other corporate entities. Just go with a classic. Nuclear war is always relevant. Nuclear war is always relevant. It's like magic logic, right? Science logic can be a lot like magic logic. If you follow the basic rules, you can basically just say, oh, they found a way to do blah, 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 and leave it at that. And people will believe you because it is a science fiction book. You don't have to be like, oh, they found a way to brainwash people by putting lesions on their brain that we can then remove with pills. Okay, but how? After a month of experimentation in the woods. So yeah, a little too much, but also not enough. That's what we've hit. You're trying too hard. If you're going to put a little too much, you have to put more than a little too much because at that point you're in this deep. You got to keep going. You can't just stop. Yeah. Rating. I'd give it traveling to a new place for the first time out of 10. It's really interesting but there's that culture shock. Yeah, and so there's some good, some bad, some weird, but at the end, you're kind of glad to go home. Like, that was fun. I'll tell people about this at home. It's a little bit of culture shock going to this place and being like, what is happening? Why are we here? What is going on? (laughs) I'm glad I don't live there. What's the opposite of escapism? Where you read it to make you like your life more instead of reading it to escape your life. I don't know what that's called, but I feel like that's what that is. Realism. The opposite of escapism is realism. That's reading something because it's realistic. This isn't realistic. I don't know. But it's whatever that is. The process of it. I'll give it a 10. 10 out of 10? No. That's not really out of anything. It just, it's a 10. I feel like it's a 5. Like I said, not really out of anything. It just, you know, kind of is. It's a 10. 7.8 too much water. Would you read it again? Maybe? No. I don't know. I didn't expect to read it again, but I don't hate it. I don't want to read this again again. 
I've read it twice now. I'm good. I'm done. I think it has good points towards self-image and self-worth. And so I may have my middle schooler read it if I ever have kids, potentially, because I feel like there are good points there that are good for a growing youth to potentially read. Yeah, I kind of like the concept of beauty is a societal construct. I think that's much healthier for a child to learn than a boy likes me, so I must be pretty. So honestly, yeah, like I said, I don't have any real objections to it, but would it provide me with anything necessarily beside time-wasting entertainment? No. Probably not. But like I said, maybe when the movie comes out in 2032, I'll reread the series to see how it does. 2032. (laughs) Bold of you to assume it's not going to take them longer to get the movie out. Bold of you to assume it'll actually come out. Bold of you to assume it'll have a date. (laughs) Bold of you to assume that it hasn't already come out and no one's talked about it. Oh, that's so true. Oh my goodness. Thanks for exploring uglies with us. You can keep up to date with us by checking us out on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. And you can support our podcast by checking us out on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can get access to our bonus episodes, where we look at the movie adaptations to some of your favorite books. This month, we are continuing our Harry Potter series and looking at Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Join us next time when we'll be discussing A Spy in the House by Y.S. Lee. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I'm Sam Reiner. And I'm Lizzie Sawyer. And we hope to see you and a friend here next time. Goodbye.